I'm Marcus Pibworth and welcome to the Ministry of Change podcast. Ministry of Change is a project in which I'm travelling around the UK exploring mental health. I'm exploring my own experiences with depression and anxiety and speaking to other people about their experiences. I'm connecting with people and projects that are either directly or indirectly having a positive effect on the way that we view and talk about our mental health. And I'm looking at how the way that we have structured society impacts our mental health and the possible systemic changes we could make to create a world in which everybody can be themselves and really thrive. For this episode, I went for a chat with my friend Dave Perrins at his house in Brighton. I first met Dave a couple of years ago at an event run by our mutual friend Adam. And over the past few years, we've had many a chat over cups of tea about mental well-being, productivity, getting stuff done, and also about the importance of sharing the lows and the struggles of your journey, not just the high points. Dave is the brains behind Share Your Story, a popular event in Brighton, which, as the name suggests, creates a platform for people to share their experiences around themes such as immigration, death, building happy businesses, mental health and creativity. He also runs the Dad Course, which helps fathers-to-be learn the ropes as they enter into life as a first-time dad. And Dave also writes a blog called Do What Matters Most, about simple living and making the world better. At the beginning of the podcast, we mentioned how we're not just going to talk about our projects, and then we proceed to talk quite a lot about our respective projects. But I think weaved around that, we cover topics such as how to ask yourself difficult questions, how to be honest about your comfort zone, what is happiness. We talk a little bit about our experiences with loneliness and the useful side of experiencing painful feelings and also the guilt around feeling how you feel. Uh, And we also touch quite a lot on the, the importance of sharing experiences and sharing stories. Uh, This is a much more conversational episode than some of the past ones, but I feel despite the microphone being there, it captures the essence of some of our past chats. And hopefully you'll find it fun, entertaining, and maybe you'll even find a few nuggets of wisdom buried within it. Here you go. Have a listen. I'm here with Dave. Hello. Who else am I here with? This is um, my daughter, who is... 18, well, coming up to 18 months old, and she's just sitting on my lap playing with her steering wheel. So, if you hear some baby noises, it's that's what she, it's her. It's your first podcast, isn't it? I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I wanted to do this recording with you because, uh, like we've talked about already, I think we've had loads of really interesting chats. I yeah. love what you do with Share Your Story. I'm really interested in what you do with the dad course, but really, I'm interested in. Dave Perrins. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. nice. I feel we were just chatting a second ago before we turned on the recorder about how it's easy just to talk about projects or to default to talk about projects, but I feel like, yeah, we have lots of good chats. So, What have you been up to? So having said I won't talk about projects, <laughs> so I run a thing called Share Your Story, which is um, about getting people together to hear people's true life stories, but it's... One of the key things is not just getting people who everyone thinks, oh, they're really inspiring and really amazing and better than me sort of people, and I could never do that, but just normal people who are living life and encouraging them to share the good stuff and the hard stuff. And I think that stuff is really important to have in there as well because it's easy to... Yeah, I look at TED Talks and stuff like that sometimes, I think, oh, that person's so cool, and 
they're so amazing and then I compare myself next to them and think oh, I'm just not like that but sort of one of the things yeah. I wanted to do when I yeah. did share your story was actually that yeah. the bits of people's stories that are always most encouraging to me are the hard bits because it makes me feel less alone and it makes me feel like yeah. oh actually other people have got challenges and difficulties too and then like life's not life's not easy and we all know that in theory but actually in practice it's sort of hard to to remember that sometimes yeah, I, I don't know. There's such still there's such a tendency for people to cover up the hard bits, and so I think I mean that's with the Ministry of Change. I think that's a lot of it is me not being at the end saying this is what I've done, this is how I achieved yeah. this this sort of like this holy place. Yeah. Like it's actually showing the journey because it's really difficult. I mean, I yeah, like I I struggle with it all the time. Yeah, sort of with like I guess the mental health part of it, but also just wanting to get it all done for me there's something about it's like yeah it's an organizational thing but it's also a personal thing and i find it hard to to sometimes share the stuff that's difficult or the stuff that's not going well because i'm worried what people think about me or or I just it's not even necessarily a conscious thing like maybe i don't feel safe to share it or i'm just worried about yeah the impact it will have and i don't want people to worry about me all that sort of stuff so i feel like then it extends into the for me, it extends into the projects I run even more because I feel like if I don't want to show vulnerability, that's one thing, but I worry then if I show vulnerability in a project, like, you know, Ministry of Change or with what the stuff I'm doing, it feels like there's a risk that people won't think it's any good or or won't trust it. But actually, I don't think people think that way. I think most people are up for things being a little bit crap at times and a little bit, like, disappointing yeah. and human. And I think we're quite reassured when things are human because we can relate to it yeah and I sort of think there might, there might be a few people that do look at what you're doing and sort of judge it to be not professional enough but that's they're probably not the really people to totally. try to reach because yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah I really believe that like you need to be able to see that it's possible to do something yourself and if you think you need to have like I don't know qualifications you need to well some things you do but I mean you need to have qualifications you need to have a lot of expertise to even start something and you're never going to start something because I think the only way you really learn is by starting something yeah and uh yeah yeah. definitely and I think as well it's like you say like there's always going to be people who judge it and think it's not good enough or or not professional enough or not slick enough but at the end of the day I think I don't know we can all end up chasing things that are slicker and more professional all the time but actually it's it's the deep stuff that sort of seems to count for me. So when we have a shared story, quite often, you know, we have three speakers and often there'll be one speaker who I'm a bit like, oh, that didn't go how I wanted it to, or oh, that was a bit boring, or they missed the point, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. But then it's it's sort of like, well, that's just people. And, and I think that the people in the room understand that. And it's not like... I think there's something really unhealthy as well about, you know, you think of... Um, don't sue me, but like Barclays Bank or, you know, these big companies where everything has to look and appear perfect. But you look at what's under the surface of that and you think that's deeply unhealthy stuff that's going on there and almost that, maybe that pushes up the importance for it to look a certain way. Whereas with the sort of stuff we're doing, I feel like obviously it's not perfect and there's flaws in it and all that stuff and ego and that, but actually in in essence what we're trying to do I think is a good thing. Yeah, I I think it's all about like being authentic and actually being a human in the project for me I think most of what I do is around showing you how it's important to sort of notice your imperfections and sort of to own them and like and not to strive for some like idealistic perfection that doesn't really exist because that's the thing that holds me back I think of like everything I've ever done the only times that I've ever actually really done anything is when I've 
just started doing something without putting too much thought into what the finished project will look like. I, I feel like I'm, I have so many ideas. I guess come to a point where I've tried to control myself a little bit more, especially at the moment. I really feel like this is a year where I do a bit less, but I think it's good to try lots of different things as long as it... Uh, like, I suppose it's good to acknowledge where it's coming from as well. And I don't know for you, like, where do you think... Where do you feel like that stuff's coming from? Like the want to do new stuff? Is that a good, coming from a good place or a bad place? I think now it's coming from a good place, I think. Because I think now I um, a lot of things to sort of reflect and to sort of lean into what I'm thinking about and feeling about things and trying not to be too rash about them. I think a few years ago when I started to do projects, it was out of this mad sort of panic. Yeah. I need to be doing something, I need to be doing something. And I was not... I was not really content in what I was doing so I was always trying to start off lots of side projects and I think at the time that was right for me to do that probably but I don't think they were coming from a a place of sort of deep understanding of why I was doing anything yeah I think that's sort of more important now is to actually have the why Mm -hmm. before it was uh, like just got to do to fill the void yeah 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 I can relate to that and do you feel like as you've got older as well you've learned something about the ones that might work and the ones that might not work or not really <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say yes <laughs> but like I don't, I, I don't know I think I have a I mean I think I have an idea I mean I can tell inside me which ones I'm really passionate about yeah, for myself I think with Ministry of Change I feel like there's a need for me to do it I think it comes from a different place from other things Yeah, like it, there's something I can't really define in words but deep inside that I just know I have to do it and it doesn't really matter how I achieve that but I feel like it, yeah, it's yeah. all part of that and so if, if one thing like if I'm driving around in a van and it works for them that's good but it, like if I'm meeting this person at that point it's good but if it gets to a point where I feel like it's not going those things aren't serving the project anymore they're not important to the project Yeah, really they're just like they're p- part of creating this sort of desire to I guess talk about problems talk about mental health and like normalize yeah. it so i can see i mean what about you like what, i don't know I, I think even the fact i asked that question shows a certain sort of mindset yeah. doesn't it i realized after i asked it like is it going to work or not that's only one question of how to evaluate something um there used to be a lot more ego involved and i think hopefully i've got rid of some of that i know there's still probably some maybe you need a little bit but definitely with some of the projects i did in the past like more charity based ones there's stuff like, you know, I can change the world, I can save the world, all of that stuff. And then realising, oh, actually, I can do some good stuff, but, you know, I can't change the world. I can't even change one person's life. It's up to them if they want to change it. You can just do something good. So there's definitely less ego, I think, in it for me. And I've also, one of the things I've learned about myself is that I think I just love doing new stuff and I love the buzz of setting something. I love doing the research. So I was reading a thing recently and it was saying about this... I've talked about before the Enneagram it's like you know personality test type thing where you identify a certain type and you learn but it's much more deeper it's about your drivers and stuff and it was saying that for my type that the research bit is almost like the best bit and you, I can get just as or nearly as much thrill out of like planning a trip that I'll never go on as actually going on the trip so like it, I'm much better at it now but you know I would I think of times where I've stayed up, you know, maybe I spent all evening and then stayed up to three in the morning planning a trip to Thailand and all the places that we're going to go. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm not going, there's no way we're going to Thailand. I haven't got any money or time or whatever. And I think 
it's the same with my projects and that like, I think I used to just love the thought of setting it up and I think that's fine in itself there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with doing the research even if you want to but I think it's easy for me to think that I've achieved something just by researching it or just by starting it whereas it's I think what you touched on of like it's got to be a deeper it's got to be a deeper driver that's internal and that's about this matters to me it's sort of like when you were describing like a sense of calling or a sense of purpose where it's like this is the thing that's in my stomach it resonates with me and like in my gut I know that I've got to do this and and I think I'm still going through the process of working out and I think but I think I'm more and more learning sort of what that deepest part of me is saying that I should be doing and then now I'm trying to use that as a filter of like okay is is this thing that I'm thinking about or is this thing that I'm trying to do does that fit with this filter that I have of of what matters most to me I suppose how do you learn that deeper thing what the deep what the deep thing is yeah. um oh um she's on the emergency dialer um <laughs> how do you learn the deeper thing so i i think um i think i've become much more self-aware in the last few years and i say that as a relative thing because literally three or four years ago i was like i had zero self-awareness in terms of why i was doing what i was doing and and how i could keep myself well and all of that stuff so that's been a real journey so I write quite a lot, do some journaling, that's really healthy for me. I try and ask myself uncomfortable questions. So I've got a little stack of questions somewhere. I've got all these torn up pieces of paper and then I've got questions on each one. And I look over them sometimes and there's some of them, the ones that are the hardest to answer, I try and answer those ones because usually those are the ones that I most need to dig what into. Are they, what sort of questions are they? Um, so just... I was looking at them yesterday, actually, so I'll try, I've got them around, so I'll try and find them, but one of the questions I was looking at yesterday was, what impairs your decision-making? And I just couldn't answer it. I just felt like, oh, I know my decision-making is far from perfect, but it was almost too painful to, to dig into that. Um, Do you dig into it now? <laughs> yeah, we can, yeah, I'm up for it, why not? I, I think I was actually, as I was doing it, I was like, oh, it'd be really handy to talk about this with someone. Um, so I guess my thoughts off the top of my head were... Um, to be able to answer the question I need to face up to some decisions that I haven't made very well um, and I, I think often the decisions that I struggle with so I think I'm quite good at big decisions like um, like you know am I going to give up my job to pursue this thing or am I going to you know which path am I going to pursue these big high level questions but actually when it comes to things like am I going to stay up late and eat loads of crap and watch TV or am I going to go to bed I'm terrible at those decisions. I just, you know, the small little ones. And I think the, I suppose actually I did come to an answer in the end, to be fair, in terms of at least some stuff. So the things I came up with was um, that I, I'm not motivated enough by an outcome. So, um, for instance, just to use the eating well one, I'm not motivated enough. You know, it's not enough for me to be like, oh, I must eat well. I need to think about, okay, well, why do I want to eat well? What's the purpose and the point of it? So thinking about, actually what would my how would my life be better if I was fit and healthy um so that was one thing one thing is I I don't measure my progress enough so I don't I'll be like you know, I'm going to launch this project so like I'm going to run the dad course I'm going to help men who are expecting babies or I'm going to get fit and they're these huge goals and I don't break it down enough and I don't measure my progress enough so it's easy to feel like you're not getting anywhere so like today I've eaten pretty healthy for instance and but I, there's no way of me marking that, you know, and same with lots of my projects, I'll do stuff on it, but 
I think in general when people aren't great it'd be like taking time to celebrate when you do well and taking time to acknowledge and be like ah yeah I did something good um and tomorrow I'm going to try and do this and so that was another thing um and I can't remember what the last thing was but there was another thing um but yeah I I think those two things in itself um would help me with better decision making um and also also I just think there's that part of us that we you know, the, 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 there's things that we know we don't know and there's things that we don't know we don't know and I think it's that part of me that I feel like I want to try and make that, that part as small as possible so how can I become more self-aware and understand why I'm making the decisions that I am um, and I suppose as we're just sort of riffing I'm interested to hear what you think about this as well like, I've been thinking a lot about my comfort zones and for a long time I told myself the story that... Um, I'm doing what I'm doing with my life because it's out of my comfort zone. So it's like, okay, I've given up my job. And everyone's like, oh, wow, you've given up your job. That must be really out of your comfort zone. But actually then I realise I'm much more out of my comfort zone going to a job that I don't really enjoy every day than I am just coasting on all my own projects. (laughs) So I'm aware that my decision-making can often be a little bit safe and a little bit like, okay, how am I going to... It's not a conscious thing, but like, you know, doing things that are sort of easy. Um, So how can I push myself out of my comfort zone and to learn new things and significantly to learn things you do, I don't want to learn because it's easy to read a book that I want to read but actually this is a boring one and that's the whole point so I was thinking about internet marketing and like google adwords and stuff like that I thought oh, that'd be sort of handy for something I'm working on at the moment um but I, was, I just don't want to learn it and I can't be bothered and um <laughs> but at the same time I know that if I had like a normal paid job then my work would be like well you just need to do it and get on with it and there's something that can be pretty healthy about that. I don't know how. Do, I don't so, know if you can relate to any of yeah, that. Yeah, no. So, like, I guess it's it's trying to work out how to be honest what your comfort zone is because I think I do the same as well in, in many ways. Like, yeah, like I, I, I often actually, yeah, I often think I'm outside my comfort zone because I'm not doing what I was doing years ago when I was working. I was doing digital marketing for a travel company and mm. going into work every day. But actually, yeah, like thinking about it, if I'm honest about it, that was horrible and I hated it and I never felt myself and I never felt connected to it. And so probably like now I'm doing stuff which is definitely more scary in terms of income and, uh, yeah, sort of like what I'm going to be doing next week, next month, that sort of thing. But mm. like in term, but actually probably more comfortable in that place. So, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is my comfort zone? I think a lot of, like, around the decision-making thing, I've really been, like, trying to work out, like, how many of the decisions do I make really based on what I want or what I think, and how many of them do I base still on what I think other people will think? Mm. And I think that's a question I find really hard to answer honestly, because I still think way more of the decisions I make are probably based on on other people what my perceptions of what other people would think mm. can you give an example of that? i mean i think in, in terms of like things like these, these um like projects of visiting for ministry of change and things like that i sometimes think like which ones like what do i really want to go and visit like mm. what, what what do i want to go and spend time doing and mm. what do i think would look good what what should a, a like sort of inverted commas mental health initiative mm look like yeah and I, and I find a tendency to still sometimes find myself making decisions on what 
what a mental health journey should look like rather than what I want it to look like. And yeah. so there's a tendency if I do that that it falls into just being uh, like mimicking something else. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. Or if I see someone else on social media that's doing something yeah. similar, I think, oh, like maybe I should be doing uh, doing what that guy's doing. Yeah, but yeah. actually, I don't want to be. I I don't need to be following someone else's idea because yeah. the whole point is to like sort of. <laughs> discover things for myself so if I keep yeah, making yeah. decisions based on what I see someone else doing or what I think what will be best what will my mum and dad be like what will work best for them at a dinner party that they can tell yeah, that yeah. the son's doing like to, like oh my son lives in a van and he's like doing I don't know meditating in the garden or, or <laughs> like or, or is it important for them to be like oh marcus is in this uh, uh went to spend time in this amazing initiative in somerset from like um mm. change the lives of like these people like it's, it's those sort of things like yeah. really sometimes i just want to be like meditating in the garden yeah, yeah. i think should a 32 year old be like the other day for example like the other day i was um like i'm helping my mum make some curtains mm-hmm. And I'm really enjoying it. I really like it. And I was thinking, like, in two weeks, it's my 32nd birthday. And I'm like, should I be, like, sort of, like, single, doing this mad project I don't know where it's going, uh, not having a, like, proper job, and, uh, like, having no idea about, like, sort of, I don't know, mortgages and salary and, like, my pension and, like, all these ideas. Like, should a... Shouldn't uh, someone that's nearly thirty-two be doing thinking about these sort of things, not thinking about like, yeah, oh, I'm really enjoying sewing some curtains with my mum. Yeah, yeah. But then I thought, no, like actually, I think what's important is to just be like, no, I, I enjoy sitting there sewing curtains with my mum. So that's what the thirty-two, nearly thirty-two-year-old Marcus should be doing. Is this? Yeah. Not worrying about like what like career ladders and things like that. And I, I don't know, and then I worry, like, will I look back on that at some point and think, oh, remember when you were nearly 32 and all you were doing was, like, sitting with your mum sewing yeah, curtains yeah. where everyone else was, like, yeah, getting a promotion and, like, yeah, getting the extension done to their house. Yeah. And, I don't I, know. But I think that's a really, um, <coughs> like, so me and Ab, my wife's Abby, uh, for those listening. Um, I mean, forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Got a wife, sorry, yeah. everyone. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we were chatting earlier about sort of this sort of stuff because so we've got two kids and we split the childcare between us. And I was saying to her how when she was on maternity leave with our first, um, and we we're getting, I was just preparing to sort of take on half the care. I remember saying to her in this conversation, be like, "Oh, when I've got my son, like, I'm going to go and visit loads of interesting projects with him, and I'm going to go and volunteer a day a week at this local allotment, and I'm going to, you know, all these like grand ideas." And I've not done any of it, and I, you know a lot of the time when I'm with the kids it's hard or it's lonely or it's boring or you know all that sort of stuff and I think actually we were saying Abby said oh do you think we'll look back and regret that we didn't do some of that stuff but I also think like we also have to get easy on ourselves and actually we've only got the capacity for what we've got the capacity for right now and actually you know I I feel like there's times so when Abby went on maternity with this one our second one I had a lot more time to do work and like that was a real window where I could have pushed on the the projects I had and I did try to to an extent but actually I was just so tired and I had other priorities and it's like as a hindsight is a dangerous thing because it's easy to look back and be like I should have done this or I could have done that but actually like 
I just think we make the best decisions that we can with the information that we have at the time. And as long as we're doing that, and I think like what you said about, you know, when you become aware that we're making decisions around, oh, is this the way I should be doing it? Or, you know, this is how other people are doing it. I think if we can be aware of that, that's the danger. Mm. But if we can identify that in the moment, then I think it's not fair on ourselves almost to look back and think, oh, why didn't I work harder when I Abby was on the telly? Or why didn't, why don't I take the kids out more and go and visit cool stuff? Because... I could do that, but I'd be knackered and I wouldn't, it's not the right thing at the moment for them or for me and I think we should just go easy on ourselves. Do you think it's sort of like a, I guess like a guilt around it or or like maybe it's because like you see there's this perception that like you see from other people you just hear the good things you do so maybe like I'm not like always aware that maybe that if you're sitting at home doing something and it's lonely and boring because like, I might just see that, that see you out and about yeah, yeah. and see you you're doing stuff and that's the same with everyone I guess like yeah. people often say to, seem to say to me that I'm doing all these like fantastic things all the time and I think actually a large proportion of my time I'm by myself I'm quite bored yeah well not bored I just mean like quite lonely and I'm quite confused mm-hmm. and I'm quite like like oh we talked about in the kitchen like trying to like earlier trying to sort of stem the existential panic of yeah. of when that space to do what you need to do comes up yeah yeah like how do you fill it like the desire to just fill it with something else and yeah I don't know I feel guilty talking to someone with children about having space oh don't you <laughs> yeah. shouldn't I think I feel like though it's an interesting thing that like we we assume that or it's easy to assume that other people aren't lonely or that other people aren't sad or that other people aren't um as they're struggling or like feeling like they want to give up, but you know all these different yeah. things. But actually, I just think like it's the most fundamentally one of the most fundamentally human things is to you know we're beautiful, but we're also broken, and I think like that's in all of our nature personally. And I think it's important to sort of acknowledge that stuff and to say you know we live in celebrity culture where you know you look at this person, oh look they've they've got loads of money and they're successful and they're performing and they're creative and they're good looking and they've got an amazing partner and you know all these different things but it's like okay that's good but actually they spend 20 nights a year at home they've got a cocaine addiction they they still sleep in one bed they still don't see their friends as much as they want to they still are probably lonely you know and all that sort of behavior that you know the the more risk-taking drug you know whatever behavior it is it feels like that comes from the same place that we all have and I think that's celebrities obviously but I feel like for all of us, it's just really good to, to acknowledge like, we're all going through that stuff. And how do you think, because I think it's some, something I've been thinking about quite a lot, especially around loneliness, because I, I think, I don't know, in a way I've felt more connected to people over these last few months and this last year than I ever have before. Hmm. But then I've also, on the flip side of that, also feel that I've experienced loneliness more than yeah. I ever have before yeah. like intense feelings of loneliness which I didn't even know existed like the sort of loneliness that makes you feel sort of I don't know like sick and like completely in panic mm. but then I sort of yeah I mean like you said I, th- I think it's part of the human experience in a way maybe mm-hmm. not so intense but like yeah. but I think the more we try and like push away feelings of loneliness by doing stuff or by trying to like just hang out with people regardless yeah. whatever then I don't think it answers any question because I found when I was experiencing real loneliness I was actually surrounded by people I knew 
quite well. Mm. Like, as I was at home with my family, I guess it was around Christmas sort of time, but, like, it's still... I think it's then I realised that sort of loneliness isn't about being around people. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was quite a profound realisation for me, which maybe is obvious to other people, but... Yeah. So, I mean, I'm still exploring it. It's not always obvious, I don't think. And as well, it's, it's the thing of, like, even if we know it as abstractly true... Yeah. It doesn't mean you always feel it and it doesn't mean we're always aware of it but like I, I feel like um, I don't know I think it's an important part of the human experience yeah, and I think I there's positives to come out of it like mm-hmm. I feel like I was talking to my mum a few months ago and I think she was worried that I was, she was not that I've been really miserable like for the last few <laughs> months but I was like I think it's through like depression and stuff but like but I said to her actually yeah I have been like like I was really miserable a lot of the time but at the same time because I was doing much more stuff to like be in line with myself and to really sort of sit with these feelings so it was the first time really that I think I'd actually ever felt happy like proper like honest authentic happiness but I also realised that might be like for an hour or yeah. for a few a few hours yes yeah. and, and I think the thing that I was searching for was like eternal blissful skipping through the fields all yeah, the time yeah. happiness which I'm not sure if that exists and I think I'm not searching for that anymore yeah. I'm searching for the, the things that can create the conditions where more times more and more I can feel like that yeah I think that's 100% wise I couldn't agree more in terms of I think it's easy to aspire to something that doesn't exist like this state where yeah, we're never lonely and we're always happy and we always love our work and our relationship's perfect and but it just doesn't exist. It's the truth. I just, I just it doesn't. I, there's no one out there who has all that stuff and but that doesn't sell very well. It doesn't sell well. No, exactly. You just use this product, then it will. Um, but I think, I think it's really important to remind ourselves that. And I think, I suppose it's like you know with the loneliness thing. This what you said about creating conditions is is helpful. I think because it's like. I don't think loneliness is something that we should obviously seek, but equally it's not something that should freak us out when it happens because yeah. because it's yeah. it's normal and natural. I suppose it's a case of like you were saying, you know, when it makes you feel sick and like maybe at that point it's like okay, well that's that's a level of it that that feels like okay, that's too much maybe. But then we all experience it in different ways, I suppose. But I think the only reason I got to that is because I let that emerge, and I think that had always been there. And yeah. it wasn't until I sort of yeah. stopped trying to fill that space and actually sit with it, which was really, really horrible to do. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wish it on someone else, but yeah. I feel like by going there, it helped me, like, to understand a little bit more about what loneliness is to me. Yeah. And help me move through it. And I haven't completely moved through it, but I definitely feel that it was a breakthrough moment which yeah. I wouldn't have had if I had have just yeah. hidden it yeah, yeah. which I've done before I find the same with yeah, like totally. feelings of fear yeah. feelings of not feeling good enough feelings of worthlessness like those sort of feelings unless I actually sit with them and analyse sort of sometimes with my head why but often like a deeper feeling why I think you have to feel it <laughs> in terms of like, yeah. the last thing you should do is, is suppress it down and bury it and I, but, and I think it's almost like there's a quite much about self-awareness. There's something brutal about self-awareness sometimes where it's like, it forces us to confront things that we don't want to or that we have to acknowledge things that we've ignored for a long time. But I feel like that's a really important thing to make progress in anything. It's like, you know, if you're 
on a personal level, you know, if you're feeling really lonely and you just ignore it, you just keep living and people fill that void with all sorts of things, don't you know, we all do with different things. But then equally it's like, well, if you're running a business, if your sales figures aren't good and you just ignore it, your business is going to collapse and crash. Or if you've got a friendship and, and you're not, you know, you're not treating them well or they're not treating you well and you just ignore it, that friendship's going to play. And I feel like there's some sort of correlation to me that pretty clearly between like being pain and being willing to take pain and progress. And I think actually you have to, you have to do, you have to take a bit of the pain to be able to make progress. I don't know if that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's really like what I've been exploring a lot recently. And it's, yeah, so that idea of like leaning into pain, yeah, I think has become sort of one of the key things I've been trying to explore because I, I just, I don't know, I think I got really, really good at running away from it. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't work. And, uh, yeah. And it just, it. I mean, it's, yeah, it really doesn't work. So I've got a, a question for you. So I'm someone who naturally, I'm, I basically, everything bad that happens, I always try and reframe as a positive. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's like, you know, something terrible could happen, like, oh, it's a growth experience, you know. I think that's there's some good in that for sure, and just always try and be really positive. But that means that sometimes I, f- I avoid being in pain or or feeling pain. You know, I try and skip around it almost. So if I, if I don't know, say if I don't know, say if I'm lonely. Let's just you know, talking about that. Like I'll be like, okay, I'm lonely, but then I'll be, be like, but I've got loads of friends, and you know, I do all these different things, and I know that there's these people that love me and value me, so I move on and. And I don't feel like I'm suppressing it, but at the same time, it's like maybe there's some learning in there that I'm skipping over. So is there a balance between being in it and feeling it and open to that pain, but also the positive moving on, looking forward? So it, like, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like you said, creating a balance between it. I think you have to know when to when is an appropriate time to move on. Mm. Because like it's not, I don't think it's constructive to constantly like stay in this eternal state of pain and anguish mm. but also to to not go through that at all and skip to the sort of what are the positives maybe that isn't doesn't provide that growing opportunity either so mm. it's maybe to sort of work with, I don't know can you work them both simultaneously or is I mean, it probably... important sitting with the pain for a bit I don't know I, I don't know either I guess it also depends on what what you're experiencing like, I mean, yeah what, yeah like, and what I mean if someone's come from like a had something deeply traumatic yeah, go yeah. to them then maybe it's something uh, I mean I, I definitely feel like I feel quite aware that not that life's always easy but you know if you put everyone in society on a spectrum I'm way down the end that's like I've had it pretty easy I've had loving parents I've had a nice upbringing I've got a house I've got a partner I've got children I've got work that, you know all that stuff yeah. it feels like and so it's sort of half me in a way I think to some I don't it's not I feel guilty about feeling bad or anything but I, I think my suffering in inverted commas is like relatively small in comparison to to but I, I mean I think that's a really interesting point because I think for a lot of years I felt like too guilty to be like I'm I don't deserve to feel this bad like I yeah. have no re- right to it and so yeah, I, like, probably made you feel worse. So it made me feel really worse, and I think like like I often do it now, like when I like go into therapy or something, and think like, oh, but like when I'm talking to the therapist, what if I don't know they've been speaking to someone 
just before me that's mm-hmm. had like something way more traumatic mm-hmm. happen to them or something after after me that's had something way more traumatic and then there's me just sitting there yeah, sort yeah. of talking about my problems like yeah. what right do I have to that but I think I don't know I think everyone experienced that and I think everyone's problems everyone has a right to yeah. their, their problems and, yeah, yeah. and it's relative to their own life and yeah like so I think it is a form of that, that everyone goes through I think of feeling guilty that they shouldn't feel like that yeah so repressing it and yeah it's just another thing that used to get out there I don't know speaking like I'm an expert I'm not an expert <laughs> yeah it's interesting to think about yeah right? yeah, yeah. I, I listened to something the other day and he the guy was speaking was saying you know the first world problems thing people always say to Mick I won't be like haha but actually you know if it's that my shark lay's not cold enough like maybe then but at the same time like the thing of like first world problems are my you know I I don't like the place where I live, but it's like, well, at least you've got a place to live. But, but he was basically saying the experience of that negative experience could be just as strong as someone's negative experience of not having a shelter or not having enough food, and it's just different ways of experiencing it. And I, I don't know what I quite think about it, but I think I feel like there's no doubt that that head knowledge that someone else is suffering in a more immediate way than you that clearly doesn't impact us because if if it did, we wouldn't live to how we do. You know, if if we were impacted closely by the fact that people were starving in the world, millions of people were starving, we wouldn't spend money how we do, we wouldn't live how we do. We, like, it's, it's almost impossible to... We can't live in other people's existence. You know? We can have an awareness of it, but but we can only live in our own existence. And I think there's something good in trying to be conscious of the other stuff, but actually something also that's really important about just being in whatever... Playing the hand with doubt, I suppose, or, you know, being in the being in our situation as well why well, I think it's important to do the sort of sharing of stories sharing of yeah, experiences yeah, yeah. I think it's it's to it's to show the diversity of life experience out there and to so show that basically maybe you don't need to everyone's experiencing something different and so that's okay yeah and yeah. and I think the idea which I had for a long time and I think a lot of people do is that like everyone else is experiencing life one way and I'm yes. experiencing it another way. Yes, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's that, like, sharing of stories that enables us to see a different world. Yeah. And then also realising that there is a different world and we need to sort of own our own experiences. Absolutely, and yeah, 100%. And that's sort of what I try to do with Share Story is, is part of the motivation behind is if you tell someone an abstract fact, you know, if you'd be like, oh, this person is struggling or this person is this person's an immigrant or whatever, immediately people have got stories in their head about what that means or this person has got mental health challenges or this person is rich or, you know, whatever it is, people like stories straight away. But actually, usually when you hear someone's actual story, it's, we can connect with it no matter who they are. So, because it's that same stuff of loneliness and challenge and pleasure and pain and that, that stuff that's basically the human, the essence of human life. Hello, I hope you enjoyed that. If you'd like to find out more about one of the many things that Dave does, uh, you can find out about the Dad Course at www.thedadcourse.com. You can find out about upcoming Share Your Story events at shareyourstory.space. And to read some of Dave's really interesting blog posts, uh, I would, yeah, and I'd really recommend that. Head over to his blog www.dowhatmattersmost.com 
And to find out more about what I'm doing with Ministry of Change and to follow more of my journey, uh, go to my website, which is www.theministryofchange.org. And on there, you can find links to my blog. You can find links to other podcast episodes. And you can... There's also space uh, on my thing, Share Your Story, where you can submit a short story about your uh, mental health experiences and... If I get enough of them, I will maybe like read a few of them out as sort of listener stories, um, which I think would be a nice addition. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much for listening and I will see you back here again another time soon. Bye.